Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. Today is Friday, June 26, 2020. On this day in 1977, 16-year-old Jane McDonald was murdered on her way home from a night out with friends. It was the fifth in a string of murders by the mysterious killer known as the Yorkshire Ripper. And it wouldn't be the last. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the murder of 16-year-old Jane McDonald at the hands of 31-year-old Peter Sutcliffe, otherwise known as the Yorkshire Ripper. Let's go back to the city of Leeds, England, in the late hours just before June 26, 1977. Sixteen-year-old Jane McDonald and her friends tumbled out of a German pub and onto the streets of Leeds, England. It was 10.30 on a Sunday night, closing time. Their laughter died down as gradually everyone said their goodbyes. It was time to get home. Jane, for one, may have been scheduled to work the next day. She'd recently taken a position as a sales assistant in the shoe department of a local store. It wouldn't be good if she showed up to her new job looking hungover. But tonight, her eyes rested on the friendly face of 18-year-old Mark Jones. Jane and Mark had met only hours before, but they'd spent most of the night hamming it up on the dance floor. Now, as Mark asked Jane whether she'd like to grab a bite, she found his company hard to resist. The two teenagers meandered through Leeds City Center until they found a chip shop. There, they chowed down and continued to chat as yet another hour slipped by. When Jane finally glanced at the time, the last bus home had already left. But her new friend had a solution. Why not walk back to his family's house and see if his older sister could give Jane a lift? Jane agreed, and the pair strolled along, resting briefly at a park bench around midnight. Finally, they reached Mark's home, but his sister's car wasn't in the driveway. Mark offered to walk Jane to a taxi kiosk at the nearby St. James Hospital, and she acquiesced. By the time they parted ways in front of the kiosk, it was 1.30 a.m. Jane shivered as she punched in the number to call a cab, but no one answered. It was too late. Not even taxis were out at this time of night. In an instant, the magic of the evening wore off. All Jane could think about was getting back home and crawling into bed for a few precious hours of sleep. She hustled away from the kiosk, heading in the direction of Chapeltown, Leeds. Chapeltown was home to the city's red light district, 
But it wasn't all a seedy neighborhood. Jane lived on a quiet lane called Scott Hall Avenue with her doting parents, Wilfred and Irene McDonald, and her two young siblings. Her family would have already gone to bed that night, trusting she'd make it home safe. Now, Jane pulled her jacket close around her in the cool night air. She'd walked this route many times, but not usually so late. Then, as she turned onto Reginald Street, she heard them. Footsteps. They'd been following her at a distance for the past couple of minutes, but on the quiet neighborhood street, they were even more audible. Perhaps Jane thought it was another night owl like herself. This was Leeds, after all, a large, bustling city. She may not even have thought twice as the stranger behind her quickened pace. Whoever it was, they were likely in the same hurry to get home as she was. After all, it was now 2 a.m. Just then, Jane noticed the Adventure Playground Park up ahead. Its tall wooden fence concealed a rope swing and heaps of debris inside. Not the most inviting spot, but it meant she was nearly home. By now, the footsteps were almost next to her, and Jane expected the stranger to pass by at any second. Politely, she stepped aside. Suddenly, Jane felt a sharp pain in the back of her head. Her vision cut to black as she crumpled to the pavement. The stranger grabbed Jane by the armpits and dragged her up the sidewalk towards Adventure Playground. Then they disappeared behind the wooden fence. Coming up, Jane's death disturbs an entire nation. Now, back to the story. On June 26, 1977, 16-year-old Jane McDonald was returning home from a night out with friends. Around 2 a.m., she was attacked from behind by an unseen assailant. This was 31-year-old British serial killer Peter Sutcliffe, otherwise known as the Yorkshire Ripper. In the year leading up to that night, Sutcliffe had assaulted at least three women and killed four others in Yorkshire County, England. One of them, a 28-year-old sex worker named Wilma McCann, had lived just six doors down from the home Jane shared with her father, 58-year-old Wilfred MacDonald. Up to this point, the murders had caused a small sensation, with the press nicknaming the mysterious killer the Yorkshire Ripper. But sadly, because Sutcliffe preyed on sex workers, society wasn't all too worried about catching up with him before his next victim. On this particular night, Sutcliffe had been driving around the Chapel Town neighborhood of Leeds, an area known as the city's red light district. He spotted Jane walking alone and assumed she was a sex worker. Sutcliffe later testified that he had followed her in his car for a while before trailing her on foot as she turned onto Reginald Street. According to him, she never looked back or acknowledged him. Using his typical method, Sutcliffe struck Jane on the back of the head with a hammer before dragging her into the concealed yard of Chapeltown's Adventure Playground. 
There, he struck her again before stabbing her bare chest and back. Jane's lifeless body was discovered by two children at 9.45 that morning. Her injuries bore the distinct mark of the Yorkshire Ripper, causing an instant uproar throughout the county and all of England. Overnight, the Ripper was viewed by the public as a killer who preyed on any and all females, not just sex workers. And while the authorities were correct in believing that the Ripper had simply mistaken Jane to be a sex worker, the implication remained clear. Virtually any woman could be his next target. Sutcliffe himself would later claim, When I saw in the papers that McDonald was so young and not a sex worker, I felt like someone inhuman. But when the Ripper came up in conversation at work or in a pub, I was able to detach my mind from the fact that it was me they were talking about, and I was able to discuss it normally. These were chilling words from a man who went on to murder eight more women after Jane. Just as disturbing was the fact that the killer might have been caught much sooner than he was. Just three months after Jane's murder, Sutcliffe killed his next victim, 20-year-old sex worker Jean Jordan. Authorities found a five-pound note not far from the scene of the crime. It was inscribed with a payroll number that traced back to the trucking company where Sutcliffe worked. Investigators sifted through around 8,000 potential suspects at the company. One of these was Sutcliffe. Over the next three years, law enforcement spoke with Sutcliffe nine times. But even though he raised suspicion during multiple interviews, he was still just a drop in the bucket. The case was already too large and unwieldy for proper follow-up. The case of the Yorkshire Ripper would give rise to one of the largest manhunts in British history. Authorities interviewed nearly a quarter of a million people, took down 31,000 statements, and conducted 34,000 house-to-house inquiries. But in the end, Sutcliffe was caught by mere chance. On January 2, 1981, Three and a half years after Jane's murder, police spotted Sutcliffe with a sex worker and stopped to question him. Before long, they discovered his hallmark weapons, a hammer and knife. And within a few days, Sutcliffe confessed to the murders. Sutcliffe claimed that he had heard the voice of God telling him to kill sex workers. He argued that the voice drove him to commit murders, even though he didn't want to. But this excuse was suspicious at best. For one, Sutcliffe kept murder weapons in his car, an obvious sign of premeditation. His murders also bore the mark of rage, with Sutcliffe often mutilating his victims after they had died. This signaled something of a personal vendetta against women, and Sutcliffe himself attested that he believed many of his victims had taunted or slighted him in some way before he attacked. Sutcliffe would do his best to plead diminished responsibility due to schizophrenia. But in 1981, 
the Yorkshire Ripper was sentenced to 20 consecutive life sentences. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on the Yorkshire Ripper, check out the episodes of the ParCast original Serial Killers, which explore more of Peter Sutcliffe's crimes. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Ali Wicker, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.